Daniel 6, 6 through 10. So the missionaries and high officers went up to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We missionaries, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give others that for the next 30 days, person who prays to anyone divine, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so you cannot be changed. An official law of Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when, but when Daniel leaned, learned that the law had been signed, he went home and kneeled down as usual in his upstairs room with, with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He, played, he, played, he prayed three times that day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. This is the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. All right, you guys have a seat. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, man. Um, I know as we've been going through this series, there's so many stories that um, you guys have heard in this book of Daniel, and um, we're actually going to end it up next week with a couple of different stories that are kind of the weirder stories. Uh, in the book of Daniel, we're going to see King Nebuchadnezzar like become an animal next week. It's super weird. Um, and uh, some writing on the wall with a mysterious hand that writes some... But this story right here, the Daniel and the Lion's Den story, it's another one of these very famous stories that everybody knows about. You probably um, had your coloring book out when you were a kid doing, doing this story in Sunday school or whatever. Raise your hand if you went to Sunday school as a kid. Sunday school. Sunday school is the best, right? It's not, man, anyway, um, this, this is the reason that, uh, man, why do we stand? Y'all ever think about this? Like, why do we stand? Just now, why did we stand up when Zach read the word? Why do we do that? Why? Because, man, we stand up for God's word but, but to, to let it be known that this is what we build our lives on. It's our foundation. Right? It's the reason we go to Sunday school as kids. This is the reason that um, as parents and grandparents, by the way, we're, we're commanded by the Lord to raise our children in him and in his word. And when we hear his word read, it should bring us a certain amount of reverence and worship and awe and thanksgiving that we get to have his word and know these stories and, and, and learn what God is like, who he is, and how to live in him, right? And so, um, and as we read this story today, I hope that um, just we can see maybe the truth in it uh, kind of in a fresh way, even today, if you've heard this story a thousand different times. Um, as, as we kind of pick up this story, Daniel's an old man, okay? Um, he's probably been in Babylon for, at, at this point, 60 plus years, okay? So he's, he's an old guy. He's probably in his 70s. Um, and Daniel has lived a faithful life in Babylon. And now it's Medo-Persia. The, the Persian, uh, Medo-Persian army and, you know, empire has sort of taken over the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar is gone and dead. And then uh, King Darius is now the, the, the king of the Medo-Persian empire. And so he, just like Nebuchadnezzar and just like the other kings before him, really esteems Daniel a lot. He likes Daniel. Daniel's a good guy. He lives a faithful, consistent life as a man in this foreign land, which again is just for us why Daniel is such an amazing book for us to read in a world where we're living as exiles all the time, um, because Daniel gives us some great insight into what it looks like just to be faithful, to be consistent, to be steadfast, and to stand firmly on God and his word and the identity that we're given in him. And so Darius loves Daniel, and it, it kind of says in the beginning of this story, that it seems like the other guys who are sort of the heads of, uh, you know, Darius's kingdom, they don't really appreciate Daniel very much because Daniel is favored by Darius. And so they come up with an idea, like Zach just read, that the king should create a law. The king should create a law that for 30 days, anybody who prays to any other god 
except for Darius himself, right? Because he is considered a god in their culture. Anybody who praised any other god would be thrown into the lion's den. And this, would, this decree would be irrevocable in the Medo-Persian empire. And if you read the book of Esther, same thing happens where the king Xerxes makes a decree and it cannot be changed. In their culture, once the king has signed a decree into law, it cannot be revoked. It cannot be changed even by himself, right? They considered the king to be a god and therefore his word was infallible. His word was perfect. And so once he said it, once he decreed it, it was done. So Darius makes the law and he signs it. He, he seals it with his ring and all these things. And the, the law is set into motion. It says, and I want to read this for us in Daniel 6, 4 and 5. It says this, At this, the administrators, the satraps, tried to find ground for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Listen to how it describes what they're thinking about Daniel. It says, They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, unless Daniel, uh, against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Listen, just a quick point. If you're going to get in trouble in this culture, in this world that we live in, let it be because of your faith. And because of the law of your God, our God, the God, Jesus Christ, as we follow him, you're going to get in trouble in our civilization, in our society. Let it be because you're a person who stands with integrity and has, moral, has a moral compass that you live your life by. Right? Don't let it be because you're a jerk. All right? Don't get in trouble because you are a, a rebel or an insurrectionist or you're always causing trouble or you just like to get on your soapboxes on Facebook or any of those kind of things. Get in trouble because you live your life with integrity. And you follow the Lord. If that's how you're going to be in trouble, let that be the reason that you get in trouble. That's the only thing they said about Daniel, right? They couldn't find a reason to accuse him of anything. And so they were just like, well, if we're going to get him in trouble, it's going to have to be because of the law of his God. And so uh, in, in, in 6 through 9, verses 6 through 9, they, they do convince the king to make that law. And then here's, here's chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Listen, just as he had done before. When Daniel hears the law, he hears the law. Nobody's allowed to pray except to Darius. So what is his response? He goes home, opens his window towards Jerusalem. That's how the Jews were, were taught to pray when they weren't in Jerusalem, to pray towards Jerusalem. That's where the presence of God resided, right, for them. That's why we don't have to pray towards any place right now, right? Because the presence of God lives inside of us as Christians. Um, Jesus has made his throne in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. But Daniel prays towards Jerusalem, says three times a day, just as he always did. When this law came to pass, came to be, what changed about Daniel's behavior? What changed? Nothing. Nothing. Daniel continued to be who he always was, continued to do what he always did. He, he prayed and he worshiped the Lord just as he had always done. In the book of First Peter, and by the way, First Peter is a great book to read as you read through Daniel. So if you're reading through Daniel, go read First Peter as well. I think First Peter is sort of the New Testament version commentary on, on the things that Daniel talks about. Here's something Peter says in First Peter 1, 6 and 7. It says this, 
I said, in this, he's talking about trials, he's talking about pain, he's talking about suffering, because Daniel's in that, right? Daniel's in some trial right now. In this, the word is trial, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, listen, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, gold perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What is Peter saying about trial? Peter's saying, listen, you ever have the question, is my faith genuine? You ever have that question? You ever wonder that? Is my faith real? Is my faith genuine? Do I really believe what I say that I believe? God's answer to that question, because God loves us, Peter says, his answer to that question is, let me put you through trial so that I can, in your heart and mind, answer that question, is my faith genuine? Peter said, our faith is proved genuine. How? trial. Where do you go? So here's the question as we look at Daniel's story. Where do you go when stuff gets hard? What's your response? What's your like instinct? You know what I'm saying? Like your gut reaction. Where do you go first? Not just like where do you get to eventually, but where do you go first? What's your knee-jerk reaction when things don't go your way? The answer to that question matters very much because in that you will find out very quickly whether or not the faith that you, you say you believe on Sundays proves true when stuff gets difficult in life. You will find that faith to be proved genuine or not when you go through the trial based on your response to it. What's Daniel's response? It's, it's prayer. It's to trust the Lord the same as he always did. Where do you go? When things get hard, do you run to some, some people run to pleasure, to avoidance and, and replacement of the pain or the trial with something else to, to kind of please themselves. Some people run to drugs and drink to numb it and escape it and get away from it and not feel anything. You might run to food of some kind, you might run to entertainment of some sort. You might run to some person who can give you uh, advice of a worldly nature that might tickle your ears and let you hear what you want to hear to make you feel better about yourself, some kind of self-help book or self-help advice. Or do you just go where faith leads you to go? Do you go to prayer to trust the Lord in those moments? How do you get good at anything? How do you get good at anything? If you play sport, how do you get good at a sport? You practice, right? If you, if, you, if you do art, how do you get good at that? When you're a kid, you do it over and over and over and over and over again. How'd you get good at your job, right? Some of you may have walked into your job and you were just really great at it the first day. I don't know, but you get really good at something by doing it a lot through experience and through practice, right? And you've probably heard the saying, practice makes perfect. But the reality is, and this is a saying that I heard uh, Stephanie Akiyama say one time, practice makes permanent, Practice doesn't necessarily make perfect, right? You're not going to be perfect probably at anything in this life, but practice does make permanent. What you put into practice every day matters very much down the line when you are put to the test. And you know this about life. The older we are, we know this better about life. The older folks in this room say amen to something like this because they know that that's true. 
They know this true that, guys, it, like we, we want to live our lives for the mountaintop moments, right? We want to live our lives kind of swinging from tree to tree, trying to find those highs in life, those great moments, those awesome moments where everything is just going well and everything is perfect and all the stars are lining up and everything. But the reality is, y'all, the victories in life are won 6 a.m. on a Tuesday morning when nothing's going on but you being with the Lord and being in his word and being in prayer. And then 6 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, doing the same thing. And then on Thursday morning, doing the same thing. And then on Friday morning, doing, you get the point? Practice makes permanent. Learning to know the Lord and walk with the Lord and pray to the Lord and trust in him and be in his word. Daniel knew what to do in this moment. It said, again, what did he do? He went to his house. He opened the windows towards Jerusalem. He prayed on his knees and he gave thanks and praise to God. You know why? Because that's what he did every other day. Every day. Not some days, not when it got hard. Every day when life was good, when life was easy, when people were praising him, when he was in charge of all of the Medo-Persian empire, Every day, as was his routine. You know who else did this? Who else did this in the Bible? Who else do we see constantly retreat to go and pray? Jesus all the time did this. Uh, all these Old Testament characters, we call them types. He's a type. Daniel's a type of Christ. David is a type of Christ. Moses is like, they have ways in which they exemplify who Jesus would perfectly be, right? Daniel is that for us as we look at a man of prayer, a man of constancy, a man of consistent, consistent faith. That's, that's Daniel, and that is Jesus, that we see Jesus do this over and over again. He knew the value of being with God, of following God. So practice makes permanent. Um, in 6, 11 through 18, uh, just to recap that real quick, Daniel gets caught. They come in, they find him praying, big surprise. They knew he was going to be doing that. They catch him. The king knows that he has signed this into law. He realizes it was Daniel, and he's like, oh, man, he's kind of conflicted about it. He can't change the law, however. And so Daniel has to be, based on the law, thrown into the lion's den. And then here's what happens in 19 through 23, just sort of the, the end of the story here. The king kind of wrestles all night, thinking Daniel's going to die in the lion's den. He's sad. He, he, loved, he loves Daniel, but he already made the law. Verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This is a, like last week, this is a miraculous story, an amazing moment in Daniel's life where he is rescued from the mouths of a lion, literally spends an entire night. Can you imagine how scary that would be? Like in a dark cave surrounded by just growls and teeth, you know what I mean? Like just all night long. And um, he's, he's in there and he says, man, God sent an angel and he protected me. Um, maybe Christ again coming and kind of sitting with him in that moment like was in the fire um, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Daniel just spends all night and he's fine. The king even rushes to him. He's like, you're okay. And he's fine and pulls Daniel out. Um, 
After that, he actually throws the, the guys who got Daniel caught, throws them into the lion's den. They get torn to pieces, it says, before they even hit the ground. Um, the lion's just tearing. Guys, the Bible is savage sometimes. Um, they just get destroyed. James 5.16. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Let me ask you a question. Does God hear the prayers of non-Christian people? Listen, the Bible's not 100% clear on that, like whether or not he does or how he does or how he receives them. I, I think what we can see in Scripture is simply this. God hears all things, sees all things knows the prayers of people who are faithful to him, who love him, who follow him and have faith in his son, Jesus, and knows and hears and is able to hear the prayers of those who don't. But here's what we know for sure, that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That means, what do we know about righteousness through scripture? The apostle Paul teaches us all about righteousness in Galatians, in, in Philippians, in Romans, that to be righteous, we must what? Have faith in Jesus Christ that you are unrighteous as a sinful person, unrighteous, not right before God, not in right relationship with him, unless we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Therefore, we know that if you are walking with Jesus, you have faith in Jesus, you know that your prayers are powerful and effective, that he hears you, he receives your prayers. This is why we pray in the name of Jesus, amen, right? That's how we end our prayers, because all of our prayers are sealed in his name. He signs off. That's what it means. Jesus signs off on our prayers. This person is righteous. He comes to you, Father, in faith, and he can pray, and you will listen, and you will answer according to your will. Now, we know that to be true. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you do not have faith in Jesus and you pray to the Lord, I believe God can hear those prayers. But listen, he has no obligation to listen and to answer that according to his will. He has no obligation to a person who doesn't pray to him in faith and in righteousness. It doesn't mean he won't. He very well may. He can if he wants to. But he has actually obligated himself by the blood of his son Jesus to all who are followers of him, who are righteous in his name. Our prayers, it is a guarantee, are powerful and effective, are heard by the Father, received by him, and he will answer according to his will. So that's just to say, listen, if you're not following Jesus, I'm not saying don't pray. I'm saying pray, but pray in faith. Come to him in faith, see that Jesus has made the way for your prayers to be heard by the Father. He wants to hear you. He wants to receive those prayers. He wants to do his will in your life. Because the prayer of a righteous person, a righteous through faith in Christ Jesus, those prayers are always powerful and effective. And he hears and he listens and he does according to his will. At the end of the story, um, Daniel, as a man of prayer, he's saved, he's spared, and the king, um, man, he pulls Daniel out, he throws the other guys in, and he just glorifies God, just like Nebuchadnezzar used to do. King Darius just glorifies God, makes a decree, and just like lifts up the God of Daniel as the one true God, and God, as is always the point in, in Daniel and every other story in the Bible, God is glorified. God receives the glory, y'all. When we remain faithful to him and trust in him, in all things, God receives the glory. Um, I'm going to ask the band to come on back up, y'all, and we're going to sing uh, another song here in just a minute. But just listen, Daniel is the model in the Bible of consistency. Consistency. That's really a word I want you to leave here with today. 
is the word consistency. Y'all just help me out for a second. Just say consistency. Consistency, consistency right? It's a lot of S's. Daniel is the model of this. Daniel is the model of consistent, constant, persevering, unwavering faith and commitment to the Lord. I think he's my favorite Old Testament character for that reason, because there's a couple amazing stories in the book of Daniel, but for the most part, all we see is a guy who just spends 70 years following the Lord. And I think this story right here, more than any other story in Daniel, kind of gives us a snapshot and an insight into what makes him so consistent and what makes him so strong and what makes him so steadfast. And you know what? The answer is the Sunday schoolist answer you've ever heard in your life. It's prayer. Prayer. What are the things we should do to grow in our faith? Y'all say them. What are the things we should do? Pray. What else? Read your Bible. What else? Go to church. Okay, there you go. Like pray, read your Bible, be part of the body of Christ, right? Go to church. You've heard these things since you were three years old. And for some of us, we just kind of lose sight of the fact that God has given us the most simple opportunities to grow in our faith every day. But Daniel is a guy who has now spent 60 plus years going to his room, opening the window towards Jerusalem and praying three times a day, every day. He practiced it every day. He did it consistently every day. It was his custom. It was his life because he knew what you and I often forget, that this world and the things of this world and even things in our own lives are out of our control. Do you hear this? What was Daniel in control of in this story? Not much, but he was in control of his response. When the culture felt out of control, y'all feel like that sometimes? Our culture a little bit out of control? Our world a little bit out of control? Elections coming up next year, yay! Out of control? Job feel out of control? Family feel out of control? Your own personal life feel out of control? Sin feel out of control to you sometimes? Guys, there's a lot we cannot control. And yet you and I have this temptation, this tendency in us that when that happens, what do we do? We grip tighter. We try to just hold on even more because we think that I can solve this. I can fix this. I can do something about it. I can make a point. I can let them know how I think about this, what I feel about this. I can solve it by, by using my words or using my strength or using my skills or using my money or using my reason. I can do this and I can make it better. What does Daniel do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up because it was time to stand up. You know what Daniel did? He stood down because it was time to stand down. He knew he couldn't change it. He can't change the law. But he could pray. How crazy are we that we know deep down, you know deep down you don't control much in this world, right? And what does that usually make you want to do? Try to control it more. And we know we can't. And so we try harder and we just get in this weird cycle. What if today we just went, you know what, God? I'm going to stand down. That's what prayer is, right? Prayer is submission to the will of God. Trusting that when I don't have control, he's in control. When I don't have the answers, he's got them. When I don't have the strength, when I don't have the endurance, he will sustain me. 
strengthen me, guide me, y'all. It comes down to prayer. I am convinced. Um, we can put up that slide with all the prayer scriptures on it. I'm convinced that prayer, y'all, prayer is at the very center and the core of who we are as Christian people. This is just a slide of scriptures on prayer. If you want to take a picture of that or write them down real quick. Those are scriptures about prayer, every one of them. It's about going to God. These, this, listen, this is a couple, right, in just the New Testament about our need to run to the Lord in prayer, to pray continually. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. To, when we're anxious, to trust the Lord. That's Philippians 4. To pray for everybody, all the saints, to pray for the church, to fight in prayer. That's Ephesians 6. That God just calls us constantly back to pray. You know what James 5, 13 says? It says this, are you in trouble? Pray. That's what it says. Again, our natural reaction, I'm in trouble. Let me do something. And God just goes, man, stand down. Submit, submit to me. Trust me. Pray. Pray. And then 1 John 5, 14, here's the, just one verse I wanted to read to you guys. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Again, he's talking to those who, are, who have faith in his son, Jesus, that we have confidence that whatever we ask, he, will an he hears and he will answer according to his will. That's good news. Did you know that every prayer you, you ask God according to his will will be given to you? You know why? Because you're asking for what? His will. You want it. You desire it. Man, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so listen, we're gonna, we're gonna sing today and we're also gonna pray. We're gonna have a, a moment right here. I just wanna give you an opportunity to pray. If you're on the prayer team and you wanna come on down here, um, please do that. Just be on down here at the front. If you need prayer this morning and you just wanna come with open hands and bent knees before the Lord just to ask him or to give to him, or to praise him, or just confess to him, or whatever you need to do in that moment. Just come and do that. If you need to ask for prayer, please ask for prayer. Um, hey, like I said, if you want to receive Christ as Lord today, to know that your prayers are heard by faith because you're now righteous in Jesus Christ, I'll hang out over here, and you can come just talk with me. And I'd love to talk with you about following Jesus today. So listen, as, as we sing right now, I just want to give you that opportunity to stand down. My guess is right now you're thinking about something that kind of stresses you out or scares you, bothers you, worries you, something you know you don't have control over. Stand down. Submit it to the Lord. Trust him in prayer. Trust him in prayer. Let's pray together. God, Lord, I do ask that you would Help us to do the miracle that you're asking of us today. That when everything tells us to stand on our own soapbox, when everything tells us to stand on our own strength, that we would just stand down instead. And we trust you. Give our lives to you. That we would be still and know that you are God. So Lord, lead us in this moment. Guide us into your will. And if there's anyone in here right now who just 
needs to ultimately surrender to you in faith in Jesus Christ, God, I pray that they would do it, that they'd come forward and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to become that righteous man so that I can walk with God and that my prayers would be heard by him always. God, I pray for it. I pray for your will to be done. Lord, lead us now as we pray and we worship you together in Jesus' name.